0: You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell, and National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney.
1: That's right. It's episode three of the Godfather and Gorney podcast here on Rivals.com. I am Dave Barry, the producer of the show, along with the stars of the show, the Godfather, Mike Farrell, and National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney guys, let's get right into it. There's a lot of games over the weekend, a lot of stuff that we have to discuss. Uh, Let's jump into some SEC action, Florida and Tennessee, a bit of a snoozer of a game. Mike, give me your thoughts coming away from that game.
0: Horrible game. Horrible. Just impossible to watch the first three quarters. And then, you know, a lot of things happened in the fourth quarter, but obviously everybody's going to talk about how it ended and how ridiculous it was not to have a prevent defense on and uh, how you just never let a receiver behind you on a play like that. And, and Felipe Frank showing that arm that we became sort of enamored with because we know we could throw the ball a mile. But, you know, I, I'm just trying to figure out which team is better because Tennessee kind of dominated uh, in a lot of statistical categories. Um You know, Florida ended up winning the game. The offense of Florida still looked horrendous. And Tennessee coaching looked awful as well. So it's it's one of those games where I don't know if there's a winner. Uh, I do know there's there's a big loser, and that's Push Jones uh, and Bob Shoup right now. Uh, But I'm really not overly impressed with Jim McElwain and what they did either.
2: No, absolutely. And you have to wonder why they had five defensive backs on the field and not six. Or you know they knew Felipe Franks could throw the ball. I I remember at Clarkson a couple years ago, he threw it 78 yards and. Uh, you know, he had a, he had a free throw and Cleveland got behind his guy and it was just a disaster of a game, really. I mean, neither team proved that they're probably SEC contend SEC East contenders. It was an ugly game. I mean, other than John Kelly running the ball pretty hard, you know, and, and Quentin Dormady didn't look good. I think he had three interceptions. So you wonder, does Guarantano get a shot here? Um... You know, Butch Jones is definitely on the hot seat after this, I think. Um, you know, you can't lose a game like that. And I saw a stat this morning that they have not led in a game against Georgia Tech or Florida um, going into the fourth quarter. So, you know, you have to wonder um, just how well this season is going, uh, even though they're 2-1 and one and lost on a Hail Mary. Um, but people can't be happy with that performance in Gainesville on Saturday.
0: And they must not trust Garantano at all. I mean, at all. Because Darmody looks horrible. Um, you know, his arm strength isn't there. Accuracy is, is hit or miss. Um, you know, there was some talk at the half that they might make a quarterback change. He got nicked up a little bit in the red zone. Uh, they ended up having a penalty. Garantano came in and then they pulled him right out. So they, they can't trust, uh, Garantano and, and, you know, but my biggest problem with that game was you've got a running back in Kelly that's dominating. Uh, he gets stronger as the game goes on their offensive line is doing a very good job. You you give him more than, you know, 19 carries or whatever he had. You know, he had six receptions and and obviously that poor pass by Dormady should have been a touchdown and and it should have been caught, but you know, the the offensive game plan for both sides looked like they were saying we have horrible quarterbacks and we're just going to play conservatively, but if you're Tennessee and you're controlling things with the running game, just keep running the ball. I think they were inside the 10 yard line, seven plays and they threw all seven plays. So it just, just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, you know, I don't see a tremendous future for either of these programs this year or, or, you know, over the next couple of years, if they don't have quarterbacks that they can trust and they don't have a lot of skill position players that are, that are playing well. But, you know, again, the last play of the game, I don't know. I mean, devil's advocate. Okay. So let's say you, you're, you're trying to avoid with nine seconds left, a long completion out of bounds field goal attempt, you know? So, you know, maybe you don't put seven defensive backs in the game, but they had three deep safeties. Um, one of them peeled off coverage to cover an intermediate route. Yeah, two guys back there and both of them let their guys get behind them. And I just cannot fathom how that is, is anybody's fault with the coaching staff.
2: Yeah. If you're not going to have six defensive backs, you, you, you know, you should have some sort of rush and they only rushed three and Frank's had a clear lane to throw the ball. So there was definitely some miscues there, but I mean, look at that sec East. It is bad. You know, you had some hope for South Carolina and Kentucky just shuts them down other than, You know, the first play of the game, they did absolutely nothing. You know, Georgia is probably the hope now, and they're not exactly world killers either. So uh, it looks like Alabama cruises here.
0: So let's get to the hot seat. How hot is the hot seat for Butch Jones? Hot? I mean... Like, we're talking, are we talking, you know, he's on fire... Uh, he's engulfed in flames. We're talking that, you know, it's, it's very uncomfortable and, you know, 102 degrees or, you know, cause a lot of people felt if they went eight and four or even seven and five, he'd be fine. But when you lose a game like this as badly as, as the way the game ended, I think that is really what determines a hot seat more so than the final record. I mean, they could finish this season and go eight and four or seven and five, but when you lose games like that everybody looks at the coach and says do you do you even know what you're doing so i think it's i think it's very very hot but there's been a lot of talk that he was going to get another season after this one even if they went eight and four or seven and five because of the losses and and i guess we'll see but he's right now uh behind Sumlin, i think on the hottest seat in the country
2: yeah i mean you look at the next five weeks for them they have umass which you know they'll beat but then it's going to be big. This could really determine his future. Georgia, South Carolina, at Alabama, at Kentucky. So headed that's that's their schedule heading into November. So I think really, you know, you can't really say right now, um, you know, taking Florida over time, even though how ugly that game was, and losing the way they did was definitely something that's going to hurt him long term. But I think over these next five weeks, it's going to be really telling because – you know they could go one and four, and so um, you know that that would definitely that would make them three and five, I believe, and uh, you know that would put him out. I would I would think, but you know if they could muster a win against Georgia, which I don't see right now, Carolina, who knows? They'll lose to Alabama, and then Kentucky um, is going to be an interesting game heading into November. So I think very very hot right now. It just seems like the fans are fed up with him and how things have been going there. They're definitely not an SEC contender, which makes them, you know, out of the national, you know, championship kind of thinking. And so that's what Tennessee wants. That's what they expected under Phil Fulmer. And so they're not there now. And and so they're looking for a change.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, the SEC East would be the first breakthrough that he has to make. And then beyond that, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen this year either. So... Now, now talking about teams that are on the rise, um, I didn't really give Clemson an opportunity to make the playoff this year or win the national championship because I thought Deshaun Watson was the difference maker. It'd be like the Patriots losing Tom Brady. There's still talent there, but you know, Deshaun Watson was the guy that made everything go. And and I know Clemson is loaded at many positions and their defense it was going to be good coming in, but I just didn't think they would be this well-balanced. Um, you know, after week three of the season. So are they the best team in the country? Is it Alabama? Um, I think Clemson is. And I think it's because of, you know, the way those wide receivers have stepped up. Um, and I think it's the way that, you know, Kelly Bryan has has really started to show the ability to not only run, but, you know, keep his eyes downfield and, and make big plays. So they're extremely impressive. I mean, Auburn's a tough out. Louisville's a tough out on the road, and, you know, both of those games, they they dominated in different ways.
2: Yeah, everybody pegged this as the game that, you know, Louisville was going to beat Clemson and get their revenge from last year, and, and Clemson absolutely dominated, them. after three quarters, it was, you know, pretty much a blowout. Uh, Lamar Jackson was largely contained for most of the game. That defense is so good and so tough in the front seven. Their corners are getting much better um i think they're the best team in the country uh you know they beat alabama last year their defense is probably even better this year um they really shut down who many think you know is the best player in college football and kelly bryant has been really good um you know beating auburn that's a tough auburn defense even at home and then going on the road and just basically dominating and not making many mistakes at all. Um, you know, you have to think right now they're the best team in the country. I I don't see anybody other than Alabama beating them.
0: Yeah. You know, what's really interesting to me and and we'll get to these two teams next is is Oklahoma state and Oklahoma who, you know, Oklahoma's defense has has improved greatly and, and Oklahoma state doesn't have a tremendous defense, but that offense is ridiculous. But, um, The Alabama Clemson matchup, if it does come down to that, you know, which it's still so early, it's, it's tough to say it will. Um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, Alabama has a weapon in Jalen Hurts who can run, who can throw, who's been there before. Kelly Bryant's a big athletic kid. Uh, Alabama has the better and more consistent rushing attack. Uh, They have the better offensive line. They don't have the same playmakers at at wide receiver Uh, and defensively Clemson has the advantage with that defensive line and their linebackers are playing very well. Trey Lamar is just an absolute beast as we expected him to be, but the secondary is still, you know, a little bit of a question mark there. So I think it's a really close matchup. I mean, right now. It's 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 easy to say Clemson is the best team in the country, and and I'm I'm saying that right now because of the balance that I'm seeing, but in a matchup with Alabama, I I think last year I picked Clemson to win the national championship because of what Deshaun Watson can do and how he can bounce back from anything. We got to see if Kelly Bryant has that ability, um, because Watson, you could punch him in the mouth over and over again, he would never get rattled. Uh, he had ice in his veins, and I think that's what it takes to beat Alabama, um, and we're going to see if Bryant has that as we get further along in the schedule, and especially in the playoff.
2: You know, I take I take that back. I actually think Oklahoma State could give them a game, and that's the team that has been my dark horse and yours, too, Mike, for you know the college football playoff, and I watched them again this weekend, and it was Pittsburgh, but that offense, you can't defend six wide receivers, and their play calling is fantastic, Mason Rudolph. Might be the best quarterback in college football. Um, and they, are, they put so much pressure on a defense that, um, you know, they get the ball out fast when they need to. They run great plays and their offensive line is much, much better than you'd expect from a Big 12 spread offense, offensive line. So that's a team. And as we get into this Oklahoma State, Oklahoma debate, um, that I, that I could see Clemson having a tough time with Alabama having a tough time with just because um, they are so, so in sync offensively. Um, you know, they put up big numbers against Pittsburgh and they really dialed it back in the second half. They could have kept going and going. And uh, it just seems like they're really, really in tune. Probably the best offense in the country in terms of, you know, just how they're running the offense and skill. I mean, they have tremendous skill players, four or five, six wide receivers deep and they can run the ball. So, um, I I definitely think they're a team to contend with on the national level this season.
0: Yeah. And I picked them as one of my playoff teams, but I want to play devil's advocate here for Oklahoma um, for a few different reasons. My playoff does not look good so far Uh, actually with Florida state and Ohio state two of my picks, um, you know, and then Alabama and Oklahoma state is the other two. And, and you know, if Francois stayed healthy, who knows, Um, you know, Florida state's a very, very talented team. Ohio state, you know, I'm still not seeing it. Um, so we'll see, but you know, Mason in the multiples is something I'm trying to trademark, make a little bit money, uh, for myself off of that. If I can get that trademarked and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it'll, you know, go, go like three Pete did and, you know, uh, make millions for me like Pat Riley or, um, let's get ready to rumble or something. So let's start pumping out Mason in the multiples here. But how about Baker and the boys? I mean, listen, they lost a lot. They lost their two running backs to the NFL, uh, their best wide receiver to the NFL. They are offensively in sync as well. And devil's advocate, they have a better defense than Oklahoma State. We haven't seen Oklahoma State play a good offense, really, uh, to this stage. We've seen Oklahoma shut down a talented offense, maybe not a good offense in Ohio State. But those wide receivers and tight ends are running so wide open, for Oklahoma, the way Lincoln Riley is calling these games. Um, Mayfield is a gutty, gritty guy, do whatever it takes to win, sort of a Brett Favre type, maybe obviously without the arm strength. They're relying on younger players and more inexperienced players. Their defense is better. So better offense, I'm going to say Oklahoma State, not, not really by a lot. Better defense, I'm going to say Oklahoma. So – I think either of those teams could slide in there. They might even just sort of, I mean, obviously one of them is going to knock the other out or they might knock each other out, Uh, but I think both of them would give Clemson and Alabama a run for their money.
2: I I think a good question, and it's the Big 12, and so it it won't happen, but are Oklahoma and Oklahoma State better than any team in the Pac-12? And I say yes. I think those two are two of the top teams in the country with Clemson and Alabama, and if it's a close game in Stillwater later this season, can both get in? Um, can a team that doesn't go to the Big 12 championship game get in? I don't know. But I saw USC play this weekend, and they didn't really do it for me. Um, Texas really gave them a run for their money up until literally the last play of the game. Um, I've seen Oklahoma dominate at Ohio State. And like you said, I'm not sold on Ohio State. I mean, JT Barrett couldn't get a passing game going against Army. Um and uh, Oklahoma State, I think, is phenomenal. So it will be interesting to see. Can Oklahoma State I, – I think Oklahoma has a phenomenal defense. I don't know how good they are because, um, you know, their test and everybody's basing that off of, you know, dominating at Ohio State two Saturdays ago. And we, we all know that Ohio State offense is a little bit of a sham. And so um, we'll see how good this this Oklahoma – Defense is um, because I think Oklahoma State's offense might might just be unstoppable. Um, they're going to score against anybody because they're not just throwing a one or two receivers. They're not just running one running back. Um, you know, it, the the whole point of college football is to find the weakest cornerback or the weakest safety and throw at them all game, and that guy's up against. You know Marcel Aitman or Dylan Stoner and those guys are elite wide receivers. So it's not just Mason Rudolph throwing to James Washington deep this year. They're they're going all over the field and and uh, we'll see if Oklahoma could even slow them down.
0: The problem is though, and again, you could have said the same thing about Washington last year that that you know you just can't stop them and you know they got so many weapons and offensively, if there is an injury to the quarterback, you know. I think Oklahoma has more resiliency. I don't think Kyler Murray is a very good passer, but I think they can, they can run that offense and change the offense. Whereas Oklahoma would still be a, uh, a dangerous football team and with the better defense in Oklahoma state, if Rudolph gets hurt, you know, like Browning did at the end of the season and it just isn't as effective, then they're in big trouble because their defense isn't very good. And I think, that's the parallel I see with Washington and Oklahoma State right now. Now I still picked Oklahoma State uh, to to go to the playoff because of that offense. Assuming in a perfect world no one gets injured, um, but I think Oklahoma has a little bit more depth. Uh, so we'll see how how they stay you know healthy throughout the year and and if they if one of them can get there. I mean the Big Twelve usually gets snubbed, obviously, uh, so they have to be close to perfect to get in. Uh, and it's interesting because now this year, obviously, the assumption is they'll have to play twice if all goes according to plan. Um So then what if, you know, they split, then what happens? So there's just a lot of stuff, but it is fun to watch. I was watching the pit game, you know, Pat Narduzzi is a defensive coach. It was an absolute joke. It was an embarrassment. I think Oklahoma State could have put up a hundred points in that game if they wanted to. So they are just fun to watch. And Rudolph is rising on my list for NFL draft guys, for sure. Um Let me ask you this question. I mean, you've interviewed Sam Darnold more than I have, and obviously both of I have talked to, to Rosen. And Rosen carries himself with confidence. Mason Rudolph carries himself with confidence. You know, those are the two quarterbacks that, that I have in the top three. Sam Darnold seems to be missing something when it comes to personality confidence leadership is there do you catch that cuz i saw his post game interview and i'm like it just doesn't seem like a guy that you're going to follow
2: yeah um i don't know about the leadership part i think he's a a, a leader i think people follow him and are, and are behind him um but i don't know if that you know that outward confidence is there that people Completely trust in him to deliver wins, and you know we've seen that from Rosen, and it's been one of his criticisms. And Mason Rudolph is the same way. Mason Rudolph, I loved. Seeing him, uh, I think they were playing Tulsa and blowing them out, and he was still on the sideline getting guys fired up and in people's faces and talking to the offensive line and and showing that leadership on the sideline. I, you know, I don't see that from Darnold. He's more of a, you know, how can I say this kindly? Laid back, Orange County surfer dude type that just kind of goes out and quietly wins games. And, you know, I'm, would you say he's having a great season no um i think he's come back to earth a little bit i think coming into this year everybody thought he was going to be unstoppable and phenomenal like he was last year and you know i think he's you know been average to a little bit above average so far you know he doesn't have juju smith to throw to and you know he's got a lot of young receivers but uh still i there is that little bit of a question mark of you know like they were against Texas um should they have been in that position at all against the Texas defense that put up you know gave up 51 points to Maryland in the season opener so you know we'll see as as they go on i think he's you know i think he's a leader uh, i think people get behind him um but there but like you said Mike I, and i agree there is something there that that you just don't really it doesn't doesn't click because um you know his personality type isn't one to be kind of the kind of the uh, the go out and get him type. I don't no, think. He, you
0: know? he's got talent. I mean, obviously that throw he made on the run in the back of the end zone for the touchdown was just a absolute laser. Where he threw, I think it was um, I don't know if it was who the receiver was, but it's it, Burnett. Yeah, he threw him open, uh, and, and the kid made a great play and a great catch. But it was the only window he could have put that football in. But But then you're talking about, you know, the pick six before the half was not his fault at all. I mean, he hit the guy in stride, just went right through his hands. and Oops, there you go, pick six. But, you know, I'm just telling you, it's just a feeling I get after interviewing, you know, thousands of kids over the years and sort of seeing his affect and sort of seeing the way he comes off. It's not it's not Jay Cutler pouty, depressive. No, Um, no. But it's it's very unsure of himself. It's kind of nerdy. Uh, questioning. It's not confidence that I see. Now, again, who cares about interviews, right? But if that guy's going into an NFL huddle and, you know, the average uh, NFL player on his team is 27, 28 years old or, or, you know, six-year NFL veteran, and you got this guy coming in there with that hesitation and lack of confidence, you're gonna be like, I don't know, man, you know. So that's one of the things I notice, And you never want to you never want to take these outside-the-box things and really put them into evaluation, but you have to. You simply have to. I mean, there have been many kids over the years that we've scouted and looked at where we're just like, man, that kid doesn't love football. That kid doesn't have the personality. That kid's not a leader. That kid's not this, that, and the other. That kid's trouble. Uh, and you have to factor it in. So that kind of struck me a little bit. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how he does in interviews. He's a nice kid for sure, but um, you know, that just was kind of something that, that, that was interesting. So we can sort of move to, uh, back to the SEC a little bit here and, and talk about LSU and, and, you know, let's, before we do that, let's give the Longhorns some credit. And you did say last week, Gorney, that you felt that they would play well and compete. Um, they did that with a true freshman quarterback. Um, they, they, you know, came very close to pulling off a major upset, and the defense looked much much better so congrats to them for you know stepping up against a difficult opponent but l s u uh i mean they quit they were out out physical that's not a word i know, but um you know they just came into that atmosphere and were just repeatedly punched in the mouth. Um, and and I think at the end when you saw that they just had sort of given up and they were down by, you know, 30 points in the fourth quarter, that's a real problem for me. Uh, the penalties were ridiculous. This comes down to the questions we had about Ed Orgeron being a head football coach at a high level. Um, yeah. Can he do it? And this was a great example of, a historic loss i mean they i don't think they had lost on the road like this um in in many many years uh and i i do worry about that team because they don't have a quarterback again uh the offense can't can't go without a quarterback i mean they can't be consistent without a quarterback the defense looked bad and i thought the defense would be the strength of this football team and they just got thumped
2: Not only that, but they got out-muscled at the line of scrimmage both ways. Um, You know, Mississippi State was in the backfield all game. Uh, Their offensive line kind of dominated. Nick Nick Fitzgerald did what he wanted to. And like you said, these come back to the questions. You know, Matt Canada is supposed to be this offensive genius. And it looked like old LSU out there, running up the middle, not getting anything, couldn't throw the ball, couldn't figure anything out. They'd go to Orgeron. He wasn't talking into, <laughs> into his headset. He was just kind of standing there, a little bit dumbfounded about what was going on there. And everybody knew, maybe a little bit of a trap game, Starkville at night, and Mississippi State is looks like a pretty solid team. Um, you know, they're very physical, and, and and they outmuscled LSU. And 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 you're right. I think LSU had a little bit of give up in them once things started going south. But uh, the offense looks just you know, just average, you know, no, no really, you know, exciting play calling again. Uh, You know, they can't throw the ball. Um, And then, and then Nick Fitzgerald and that offense did whatever they wanted to do. So, um, you know, I think we're going to talk about a little bit. Dan Mullen again is a guy who's criminally, you know, undervalued as a coach and should definitely be, be in the mix for one of these top jobs. But, You know, the question is, can Orgeron be a coach at the elite level that an LSU, you know, their goal is to beat Alabama every year. They can't can't go and beat Mississippi State. They got blown out. So, um, you know, this is going to be a problem. Once he got that job, everybody was immediately critical, and this just ramps it up even more.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how it affects recruiting because I think it will. Um, You know, Alabama's been the team that's come into Louisiana and been not afraid to steal kids away. But I I think the fear of going into Louisiana – Uh, now Orgeron's a good recruiter, but you know, there's, there's so much to sell against. I think more and more schools are going to go into Louisiana and try to pull kids and, and it's going to be very interesting to see if he can, you know, put together those recruiting classes and keep the kids home like Les Miles did at the very least. Before we get to the Nebraska dumpster fire, uh, let's, let's talk about Dan Mullen, you know, um, you know, now he's being linked to every job that's open or will be open. Um, and I think that's right. I think that's, you know, he, he's done a a terrific job there. Obviously his his pedigree with, with quarterbacks with Alex Smith and Tim Tebow and Dak Prescott and, and on and on, uh, offensive minded coaches are wanted badly at some schools. Um, you know, and I think he's going to be a guy that I personally think he's going to end up in the sec just in another program. Um, I think he's probably the hottest coaching candidate out there right now.
2: Yeah, and and he's been at Mississippi State since 2009, but he's still only 45 years old. I mean, he's a young guy. Um, offensive mind. You know, let's ask Texas A&M fans, who would you rather have? Dan Mullen or, you know, who took Mississippi State to number 1 in the country a few years ago uh and just beat LSU by 30, you know, or Kevin Sumlin. Same thing at Tennessee, the same thing. You know, even at Arkansas or you know, Man, all the schools that are going to be, you know, possibly having coaching coaching openings, um, would you rather have Jim McElwain or Dan Mullen at Florida? Even though McElwain took Florida to two straight SEC championship games, I mean, he is a he is a great coach. He obviously knows what what the hell he's doing with quarterbacks. Um, you know, Nick Fitzgerald. Is hardly an elite quarterback, but he has made him into really something special. Same thing with Dak Prescott. How he worked with Tim Tebow, um, he can score points. Um, you know, winning in, in Mississippi State is near impossible uh, with all the things built up against you, especially in a much stronger SEC West in the last you know five years or so, six, seven, eight years, and and he's done really, really well there. And uh, you know, he's a guy whose name. You know, get doesn't get thrown around as as much as I think it should, um, but but I don't see him long term in Starkville, Mississippi. Um, but but he should you know be getting a high high level job here. I would hope, really soon.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna give him some crap though here. Um, you know, and I I said this back when the video came out of Jeffrey Simmons punching a girl, and you know the fact that they gave him a one game suspension, and Jeffrey Simmons is an absolute Animal, just a beast of a defensive player, as we um, as we expected as a five star and just an amazing talent. But I still go back to the fact that you know he just should he shouldn't be playing. You know Bob Stoops should have never let Joe Mixon back in the field, and Jeffrey Simmons should not be in Mississippi State. Now, obviously, devil's advocate, there is if they if they cut him loose, someone else would have picked him up in a second because he's so talented. Um, but. When I saw how dominant he was and, and, you know, that he could arguably be the best defensive lineman in the SEC right now already, it just made me think back. I'm like, there's video of this guy punching a girl. He shouldn't be playing. Uh, but, again, that's, that's grumpy old me. I mean, you, you guys are younger, nicer, uh, better people than me. So, you know, that just sort of ticks me off a little bit, but I'm sure it doesn't bother you guys as much.
2: No, it, it does bother me. And it's a PR hit. Um, one game suspension was a joke. I mean, if his name was Richard Simmons instead of Jeffrey Simmons, I don't think he'd, he would have been kicked out of school. Um, I don't think
0: he would have been able to beat up a girl either.
2: <laughs> Might have been the kicker. Uh, But, uh, you know, it, it, it will be a PR hit. But, but honestly, is anybody, is any AD in the country not going to hire Dan Mullen because of because of that step, no, I don't no, think so. No. I don't think it makes him, you know, all those right. things. So, uh, definitely a mistake. Um, but
1: uh, you know, you
0: gotta, I still got a crap on him though for it. Uh, Dave yeah, Barry, no, no, you're absolutely. the nicest person at Rivals.
1: Simon. Yeah, of course, I'm the nicest guy. But no, I, I, I definitely have a problem with it too. That's that's never okay. <laughs> I mean, never, never, ever,
0: ever. Like it, it, you
1: know, no, he should. But be. it's
0: gone. You know, it's not even a, a question. When Jeffrey Simmons' name comes up, it, it's talked about the NFL and then potential first rounder and how dominant he is, and, and and what a great football player. It's gone. It's swept under the rug, and you know, it what?
1: Yeah, nobody nobody talks about Joe Mixon, you know, in that light anymore either. Now it's about his NFL, right? Career. And
0: Joe Mixon's was definitely more violent by far. Um, you know, and, and as a result, you know, more sensationalized and, and was covered more by the media and, uh, and listen, I'm not a false outrage guy because I think this entire world is false outrage on everything. It's like, Oh my God, let's just complain about this and get upset about this and this and this. I'm just a cranky old person, you know, who was taught that, you know what? You just never hit a girl. So I wanted to bring it up, not to crap on Mississippi State in their victory or or just to be a jerk about it I just think when I hear Jeffrey Simmons name I think a, a message could have been sent you know maybe a half season suspension maybe a full season suspension which still isn't enough because that's what they did to mix in and I don't think it was enough uh but man heck of a football player but I'm not going to forget that I'm just I'm just not so let's get to the dumpster fire Let's get to the absolute dumpster fire that is Tanner Lee, that is Nebraska. This is ugly as can be. I mean, Northern Illinois lost to Boston College, which is a very, very bad football team. Uh they got paid eight hundred and twenty thousand dollars to march into Nebraska and beat the, the the Huskers on two pick sixes. Just so embarrassing. Uh, they have to make a quarterback change. They have no offensive line. That is a real situation to watch because I think Riley is going to be under pressure. And my favorite tweet of the of the week was uh, Polini, Did you see Fopellini's tweet about it? Um, no. What did he he, he said, you know, listen, it, uh, I, it, this isn't a quote, but he said, you know, in defense of Mike Riley, Northern Illinois is the most populated area of the state of Illinois. (laughs) It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. But, you know, people who were, you know, uh, upset about Polini's, you know, demeanor, but were happy with the wins and losses. Now they got the opposite. They got the nicest coach in football. And, you know, they got the Dave Barry of college football coaches, but they're just going backwards.
2: It'll be interesting to see because the AD came out and said he was disappointed and troubled. I don't know the exact words, but it was a clear statement that, you know, they better start winning pretty soon because having a nice coach is one thing, but they want to win, you know, and and this team could be 0-3. Arkansas State gave them a real run for their money in the season opener. Arkansas State gave them a run for their money. They got blown out at Oregon before kind of a late comeback and you know, Boston College scored more points against Northern Illinois than Nebraska did. So they don't have much going for them. You know, the the the, the Nebraska fans like Mike Riley a whole lot. But, you know, as he continues to lose here and things look bad, um, they're going to like him a whole lot less. And not long for the days of Bo Pelini by any stretch. But, you know, under Bo Pelini, at least they won games. Yeah, they don't
0: like him now. I mean, if you go on the yeah the RSS, man... Forget about it, which I'm sure Gorney will be on there and, you know, getting his, his Gorn dog, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it, it is my favorite place. Well, I mean, you know, just, just stir it up, just go on the board and say, Hey, did you guys play a game this past weekend? And just watch the entire <laughs> board catch fire and have 85, you know, uh, page thread go, go wild. Cause they are going nuts about this. So now again, Honestly, this was a big deal nationally. Um it, it probably shouldn't be. I mean, Nebraska they lost to Oregon, four picks. Um, you know, they're one and one. I think they barely beat who was it, Arkansas State.
2: Yeah, Arkansas State and the Open You know,
0: it's not like they were favored to win the, the Big Ten West. It's not like they were a preseason top twenty five, you know, top twenty team or whatever and but this was made such a big deal because this was an opponent that they paid a tremendous amount of money for so they could get an automatic win. And then they couldn't even get that. And, uh you know, listen, not for nothing, I think that the defense, the defensive scheme changes haven't been so pretty either. I mean, Diaco trying to change the defensive scheme, that's always difficult. Um That wasn't the problem, you know, this weekend, but it, it, it looked like to be a, a bit of a problem against Oregon and, and Arkansas State. So they've got a lot of problems, a lot of adjustments there. But, again, it's I guess it's the reason it's such a big deal is because it is the, the largest and most vocal fan base on the Internet, um, and I think that's what makes it a big deal. So let's move past the dumpster fire, and I'm going to ask you a question. The best team not getting the attention it needs
2: right now. 3 weeks in. Who you got? I think I think there's two and there one's a top 10 team. So Wisconsin, nobody's talking about Wisconsin, but they make no mistakes and <laughs> they blow people out. I mean, they literally don't make mistakes on the field. And the other team uh I'm going to go with Mississippi State. Um I know they play a you know, a gauntlet of a schedule um but up front they they might be as good as anybody other than Alabama in the SEC West their defense is phenomenal and they can score Nick Fitzgerald gives problems the way Dak Prescott gave problems um you know he can get out he can run they have a lot of designed runs for him um he's not the fastest guy in the world but he just you know falls forward and gains yards all the time so that offense is going to move and that defense can stop people so Um, You know, no one's really talking about Mississippi State yet, and we'll see as it continues. Um, But the team I like is Wisconsin. They're going to be able to run the ball. Um, Horny Brook is much better as a passer than he was last season. And again, they're going to be able to step up and stop people defensively.
0: Well, you know, Wisconsin, I think, is the obvious answer as the number nine team because they get overshadowed certainly by, you know, Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State in the Big Ten I'm not going to go with them because I don't believe in Hornybrook, Even though he was what 18 of 19 this past weekend, um, I still think his arm is is very weak and he's getting it out faster and he's being more decisive with it. But it's still quite quite noodly to me, and I think it's going to cause some problems if the running game isn't on you know clicking on all cylinders and they need to come back in a game. Um, I think that's, that's not the quarterback to do it. So I'm not going to say them. I'm going to say Virginia Tech. Um, and again, they're 13th in the country. So I guess they're getting, they're getting the, the accolades, so to speak. But man, I mean, Justin Fuente is a terrific coach. Just terrific. Um, you know, the, the way they're playing defensively is not unexpected with Bud Foster, but offensively, they haven't really missed a beat. And, you know, they're breaking in a new quarterback. And I know, you know, they, they haven't played a great schedule, but they did beat a ranked West Virginia team in the opener. Um, East Carolina doesn't look like a good football team because they're just getting romped by everybody, but they, they usually give people some trouble. Um, but they're three and oh, right now they're in a division that I think is, is fairly weak. Um, you know, I think it's going to come down to, you know, Virginia Tech and Miami. Uh, but I think they're, they're a team to watch for. I mean, Cam Phillips is a terrific wide receiver who doesn't get the national attention he deserves. And, and I think Fuente is a, a, a great coach. And when you look at what is left at Memphis and, and how they're doing and, and, you know, the job that he did there. And now they're just sort of rolling with that. I think he's probably a guy that gets, doesn't get enough attention
2: overall. Um, and the, the interesting thing about Virginia Tech, Mike, is, uh, you know, obviously September 30th against Clemson, but they're not in their division. So even if they lose to Clemson and then win out, um, you know, Georgia Tech's not going to be an easy out. At Miami's not going to be easy. Um, you know, maybe even Duke might be a, a trouble game for them, but they're going to have to – Clemson's going to have to beat them twice, and beating a team twice in the same season is really difficult so that's an interesting pick. Uh, you know that offense looks actually a lot better. Uh, I thought they played really well against West Virginia, and that game was a little closer um, than even the score indicated. But uh, you know that's going to be interesting. I don't think they beat Clemson September 30th, but coming back in that ACC championship game is going to be very interesting.
0: If they get there, now again, Miami's still my pick. I think Miami's defense, but this, you know, the the the, the Irma situation changes a lot. You know, for Miami um you know and and i think that's that's a you know an unfortunate disadvantage for Miami uh the team has been apart you know uh for a long period of time they've had to reschedule games and i think that's a big big issue for them moving forward now Miami could easily win that division and, and be playing Clemson um but i think Virginia Tech's a team to keep an eye on so um Kansas State i mean listen you blew it. Um, Derek Mason has done a good job as a coach of Vanderbilt. He was a guy that I did not think would do a good job at Vanderbilt. Honestly, I, I thought he was an interesting hire. Um, you know, but way over his head and it, it looked that way in the beginning, but you know, that's a big victory for Vanderbilt. No doubt about it. Kansas State, though, with a experienced quarterback under Bill Schneider is supposed to be uh, a team that. Is a threat in the Big Twelve, but losing to Vanderbilt might have ruined their season. Because you look at the the schedule in the Big Twelve, it's certainly not easy for them. They needed that victory if they were gonna if they were gonna push forward. And man, you want to talk about ugly games? I mean, that was an ugly game.
2: I think yeah, and and I think that's why Vanderbilt won. I think that's kind of what they wanted. Um, they wanted to make it slow. They wanted to make it a kind of ugly defensive battle and that's what they got. And that's why they won. Um, You know, losing Zach Cunningham, I thought that defense was going to be a lot poor. They might be stronger. (laughs) That's a, that's a tough defense. And and like you said, I thought Derek Mason was way in over his head when he got there. And then I don't really remember the story completely, but he said he had forgotten his playbook and then he had found it. And it was just kind of an odd, odd situation going on there, but uh, they played him tough and uh you know kansas state's still a team you know they're they're always that team that's going to stick around they're not going to fold um they're they're going into a bye week now and can regroup but you know they're going to texas they have tcu they have oklahoma they have west virginia they have oklahoma state in a big 12 which i think is very talented and so it could be a long kind of closing of the season here for them
0: and then let's wrap it up um as i say josh allen again looked horrible so i'll just continue to hammer that point home and I mean, you know, again, I think it's just people trying to be smarter than everybody else, which happens in high school rankings as well. And it's like, oh, I found a guy. I think I'm smarter than everybody else. So I'm going to say something ridiculously stupid and he could be the number one pick in the draft. And I'd really like to know who started that. Um, I'm not sure who it is, but whoever it is, shame on you. Um, He looked awful. I think he fumbled twice and what he had another two interceptions or three interceptions and you know, against power five teams, I think he's from one touchdown and seven or eight picks, but let's get beyond that and my bitterness. Um, Stanford looked awful and San Diego State is the best group of five team in the country. And I'll let, I'll let the nice guy talk about his team because I think, you know, they're better than South Florida. People are talking about Memphis being able to run the table now after their victory over UCLA and all that, but this is the best team I've seen. And it's because of the defense.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of non power five teams don't get the the props they deserve, but for somebody who, who watches San Diego state and has seen the development over the last few years, because they're in the mountain West, they're not going to get the the attention, but their defense is great. Their offensive line is great. They've got a running back in Rashad Penny who should be a, a Heisman contender. Um, but won't get that attention because they play on Facebook Live and CBS College Sports, you know. So nobody nobody gets to watch these games. Uh, but they beat two Pac-12 teams two weeks in a row. They start conference with Air Force next week, and then they face Northern Illinois the week after that, which just beat Nebraska. So that'll be a tough game, but they've got the potential to run the table. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes down. Uh, I do think, you know, as far as non-Power 5 teams, Memphis is another one that looks good. So. Um, we'll be, we'll see how these Aztecs do. If they don't run
0: the table, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, come on, this is all,
1: I mean. Yeah, they have to, they've got, they'll, they'll play Boise. That'll, that'll be another tough game.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. So Air Force, blah, Northern Illinois, we already said lost to Boston College. So they're not good. Is UNLV the team that lost to Howard? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Boise State. forty
2: point underdogs at Ohio State this weekend. Uh,
0: it, it, Chris Peterson's not at Boise State anymore, right?
1: <laughs> no, no, he's not. That Hill's not
0: at Fresno State anymore, right?
1: <laughs> no, no, ah, he's, he's not there either. We're really <laughs> bringing out the <everything laughs> well,
0: Listen, I'm old. I'm an old person. What do you want? Uh, J- June Jones isn't at Hawaii, is he? In <laughs> San Jose State, Nevada, New Mexico. I mean, come on. If they don't run the table, which they should, and they'll be in a do your sixth game, they're going to run the table. They're going to be undefeated. They're going to be upwards into the top twelve, maybe even close to ten in the country, and they're going to be in a New York City. It, it's great. I, I think they're a, a terrific football team, and you know now the problem with it is that I have is they've beaten one good team. I mean Arizona State stinks. Stanford is. Yeah, they're hardly a Pac-12. No, team. and Stanford's a good team, but obviously Christian McCaffrey ain't walking through that door, uh, and Keller Christ is awful. You know, so they'll be that team that goes undefeated, gets a New York Six, a New Year's Six game. You know, based on beating absolutely nobody. Uh, but I still think when they get there, they'll they'll be tough to beat because I like that defense. So, but you know, if they Dave Barry, if they don't run the table and go undefeated you should be embarrassed period
1: <laughs> well no no i mean and they should too they you know the, the beating stanford that's great but they've got to, you know if, if they do not go undefeated that doesn't that doesn't validate that win over stanford so i agree but rocky long's a head heck of a coach he came from new mexico where he couldn't get the talent that uh would put him in position to do well and now he can get some talent there at san diego state so and, it's fun. and i, th- it's I fun think he's a guy watch. who would
0: stay there too I, I think he's a guy who would yeah. not just jump at the next job. And so I think they could be good for, for quite some time. I mean, listen, he's no,
2: I can't believe no. we're talking about San Diego state football, who plays in a, <laughs> basically a closed down NFL stadium.
1: Well, listen, Hey, you, you, you brought up Richard Simmons earlier in the podcast. So, so <laughs>
0: and he's no Brady Hoke,
1: but he's a good coach. he's, he's, he's a good coach. And, I like him better than Brady Hoke. I'm just going to say that. Here's the, here's the,
2: here's the problem though. What happens if Houston or South Florida go undefeated as well? Because they play in a much tougher. Okay.
0: South Florida is not going to go undefeated because they got a guy named Charlie Strong as their head coach. So you can pretty much eliminate that right there. And Houston is dealing with as many issues as, you know, the teams in Florida. I mean, just, it's too much to overcome. Uh, and and again, you know, Major Applewhite's a good coach, but uh, you know, first-year coaches.
2: And the other team I'd like Diego to State. throw out there, UCF
1: and Memphis. They're both very good teams. Yeah. Uh, San Diego State. Neither would, are in the top 25 like San Diego and State is. Yeah, San Diego State with
0: throttle, I think, both of them. I mean, San Diego State plays defense. UCLA defense is the biggest joke I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, that's just unbelievable that they get all the runoff. And if you want to call it runoff from USC – and, and, and you know, you could tweet me at Rivals Mike or whatever. But they recruit very well uh, simply because of where they're located because they don't win anything ever. Uh, but they've got talent and they just don't play talented. <laughs> That's it.
2: Yeah. I mean, Memphis is a great team. Their offense is phenomenal. Riley Ferguson looked like the better quarterback on Saturday. Um, but they're Memphis. <laughs> you, you can't give up. That many points when you have a lot of really talented players on the field, uh, and I'm going you know, to correct and, you. Yeah.
0: Also, the word "great" this is another you know angry 47 year old statement. The world, the word "great" is used in every instance of everything. They are not a great football team. Period. Who? Memphis? Yeah, you said no. Memphis is. UCLA. No, you said Memphis was a great football oh. team.
2: A great offense. No,
0: you said a great football team. I want you to take that back. I want you to. Stop, I'm not taking it back. Stop using the word "great" unless you're talking about like Tom Brady, all right, or Doug Flutie, or somebody like that. They're not a great football team. What they did is they outscored a horrendous defense, just a horrendous defense that also got lit up by Texas A&M, and their offense looks awful. So I'm not on the Memphis train. I'm on the San Diego State train. They're going undefeated. And they're oh going to a New Year's 6 game, and they're going to upset whoever they play. Go Aztecs. Anybody who uh, wants to tweet me about the Aztecs, I will I will like your tweet. And that's like a thrill. That's just a thrill for anybody. In front of a television <laughs> go, audience
2: I- of 0.2, they're going to light up somebody in, on New Year's In Jack
0: Eve. Murphy Stadium where the power goes out. <laughs> and I still think uh, – yeah, I think still there's still like, um, Tony Gwynn tobacco spittle, you know, h- half on the field because that oh is boy. like
2: the oldest crappiest place to ever play a football game. It, and it the- hasn't been Jack Murphy stadium since like 1983.
0: Listen, I'm, I was 13 then and to me it's Jack Murphy
2: stadium. It, it will always be Jack <laughs> Murphy
0: stadium and the, and Tony Gwynn has still got tobacco spittle on the field.
2: <laughs> I think that's Literally where they filmed it's still major, league. major
0: League. This is why <laughs> it still is got why, the same
1: lights as. Jack this had. is why
0: nobody's going to listen to our podcast because we, we just spent like ten minutes on San Diego State, which has like two fans. So no one's <laughs> going to listen to this crap, and it got off the rails. So let's just let's just end yeah. this, and we'll do another let's one. Just end this. <laughs> yeah, we'll do Here another one oh, wait, here's next here's week. Up. I mean, at the end of this week or some something.
1: Yeah, we'll try. No, again no we'll, do, we'll, here's, here's, we'll do one we'll this do. week
0: because you know something stupid's going to happen in the next couple of days. Like, like, like Butch, Butch is going to come out and defend the defense, or, or you know, <laughs> or Bob Shoe's going to come out and say that uh, you know we, we that was our set defense for any Hail Mary or something stupid's going to come out pretty soon. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, on that note, let's get out of here. And, and in honor of our first ever Richard Simmons uh, comment, we're going to end it with a little soundbite from Richard himself. Hey, I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> Gary? Hi. Hi. <laughs> hey, everybody. Gary, hey. where Hi. are you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gary. <laughs>